G'day and welcome. My name is George Faruja and welcome to the second part of the podcast, podcast series called Bloodlines, brought to you by GRV and RSN, where we dive into the world of Greyhound Bloodlines and the stories behind them. And uh, without uh, further ado, as we did last week, I'll introduce uh, my co-host uh, for the for this uh, program, uh, David Brash. Brashy, how are you, mate? Good, pal. Really good, really good. That's good, mate. And uh, look, mate, I, I have to say that uh, the response and feedback uh, from the first episode has been absolutely fantastic. They love you, mate. They can't get enough of you. I um, I put something up on, on Twitter for people to, to fire some questions at me, and uh, we were inundated with people wanting to know a little bit more um, about uh, about different things, and we'll go through some frequently asked questions next week, so that'll be absolutely fantastic. But um, no, mate, uh, the, to, uh, today's podcast is more about um, the outcross and the influence it has had in the Australian uh, breeding landscape. So it's to outcross or not to outcross, I suppose. But, mate, we'll, um, when we talk about outcrossing, we, we talk about bringing essentially new blood into the mix via a, a sire or a female from overseas. And we'll jump straight uh, into it, mate. You touched on your theories around the importance of using common ancestors on both sides of a pedigree. And we'll spend this episode talking about outcross success stories. So, so tell us in a nutshell why an outcross um, can be beneficial. George, it's it's we all get to a stage where we we and and people are really concerned about it quite often. Uh, I'm never concerned about it, but people uh, are worried that they breed themselves into a corner. Hell, where do I go from now? <laughs> uh, a little little discussion with David Hobby uh, only recently, and he's breeding his Barcia Bale bitches to Fernando and vice versa, and he sort of said to me, well, where do I go now? Where do I go? And uh, I've noticed he's uh, using a few um, different uh, sires. I saw he's got a handy litter over there by Essie Tali Sundance, and uh, and that's that's why you do it. You, you're looking for a bit of hybrid vigour. You're looking for... Uh, quite often when you, when you inbreed and you keep inbreeding you'll find the, uh, the progeny get a little bit thin on it, a little bit fine on it. They need a, uh, a robust infusion into the pups, and, uh, and that can be done via an outcross. Look, it doesn't necessarily mean our outcross needs to come from England, Ireland, America... Uh, we, we've got what is virtually outcross lines here as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Occasional Blaze was a particular uh, uh, situation a few some years ago, back in the uh, in the mid nineties, and he had a virtual outcross uh, pedigree. We called him the Colonial Outcross, and there's there's a number of those dogs around. That's generally why we do it. Um, you know, you might need a bit of size in your pups. You might might need a bit more uh, strength, a bit more quality, uh, and that can be done. Not always, but it can be done via an outcross, and uh, and that's generally why we do it. I think I think the the two words you mentioned there, hybrid vigor, is something that you hear 
not only um, with with greyhounds or dogs, but probably lots of other different types of animals um, from from those that are expert breeders. But uh, you always used to hear, David, especially when I was younger, that, that sometimes um, if they were a little bit too inbred or something didn't work, that there'd be more chance of a greyhound um, sort of breaking down in terms of their, their probably their bone structure isn't as strong. You hear you hear all these type of stories as well. So you you sort of bring in new blood. Uh, to rectify that, D- mate, dam lines can be a little bit like footy clubs in, in that that they have a period of time where they're dominant and they're enjoying some real glory years. Then they start to wane, and uh, the supporters start dreaming of better days. Uh, d- why do you think some dam lines peter out, and is it an outcross the blueprint back to glory for them? It can be. Quite often, they will make wrong choices. They will use bitches, they will continue to use bitches from their line that may not necessarily have deserved to be used. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, you can keep breeding to the wrong lines. And quite often it's a case of there's just not the right size around. Yeah. And, and before they know it, they've bred themselves out of quality greyhounds. Paul Wheeler doesn't do it. Paul, uh, in all the years I've known him and in all the discussions we've had and of all my study on what he does, he has a blueprint. He'll breed his his best race bitches. Now, remember, Paul's at the stage now where he only breeds high-class race bitches off the track to to these quality sides. And uh, he'll outcross, then he'll come back in <clears throat> pardon me, and he'll breed only to the best sires or his own dogs. Now, then he'll get his his, uh, his quality performer and then he'll breed again into a good good line or his own line again and then he'll outcross again. And he's told me himself, we find we get <clears throat> a stronger type of dog. As I said, inbreeding will... Line breeding and inbreeding can produce a thinner, uh, a finer athlete. You'll get to the stage where that fine athlete is a, is a machine, is a, is a superstar. But sooner or later, you're going to need that outcross. And, uh, and as I said, it doesn't necessarily need to be English, Irish or American. It can even be the Aussie uh, outcross, which we've had a lot of over the years. You you make a good point at, um, at the at the start of your combo there, where you mentioned that um, some because of the glory years a dam line may have, um, sometimes breeders might breed from something where ten years ago they probably wouldn't have, but they've had so much success from the blood that you're you're sort of enamoured by the fact that you you've you know had so much success with it that you could be breeding from females that you necessarily probably wouldn't have. Um that's a I think that's a, a really, really good point you make. The other one I'd like to bring up, mate, especially with Paul Wheeler stuff, but uh, I had a look it might have been a couple of years ago where I think the top twenty greyhounds rated by Agra back then, um nineteen of them had an outcross, at least one outcross in in the first three generations, which I thought was uh, amazing. And and a few of them were obviously wheeler dogs. And it's not you don't go too far um, looking at a wheeler dog where new blood isn't brought in. So you you, you make a point about that uh, with with what wheeler's done. Um, just briefly on the history of the outcross in Australia. I mean, before frozen semen, we we didn't have access to to champions from abroad. It was just too um, 
arduous for them to to make the trip over to Australia when they were having success in their own country. So I think the huge um, turning point um, was frozen semen, wasn't it, Dave? I mean that that was the one where we we started to have access to to some of these top sires from around the country, from around the world. Sorry, mate. I can remember uh, a great mate of mine, Paul Horrig, in the mid nineties was instrumental or, or part of. Uh, Richard Canole, the the great uh, frozen seaman uh, guy in America, coming here, and, and I can remember uh, meeting Richard numerous times when he came to Brisbane, and he brought iron rail frozen seaman to Australia, and he and Paul combined, <coughs> and a few others to get that frozen seaman into Australia. Now iron rail might not have been the great sire, uh, but Interestingly, Iron Rail has still, uh, he's in the dam, the direct dam line of those very, very good, um, yeah. has he, bitches, Paco Can and Hello Ronda. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, yeah, look, I can remember Barry Ward standing all those outcross dogs, leader champion, cheers for Akai. They did very well, but mate, we even got their. <laughs> Hurdlers that we knew nothing about, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember there was a dog came from uh, from England called Foggy Boy, and he had a stud career here. But what we didn't know when Foggy Boy came here was his thirty eight wins uh, of his forty two wins were on flapping tracks, which is like going to a trial track uh, <laughs> in, in Australia and winning. And uh, and he actually had a stud career. He had a very miserable stud career, but he had a stud career here. But we also got very, very good stud dogs. We got Witch Chariot. We got Waverly Supreme. And Waverly Supreme is probably the great import until a few others came through when Frozen Seaman, obviously. But... Waverly Supreme, I remember Jim Coleman telling me years ago he got told from Ireland that Waverly Supreme was an outstanding race dog and he and he should use him at stud. And Jim said to me, he said, I, I waited far too long to use uh, Waverly Supreme and uh, he eventually put his great race bitch odious to him and got Regional Wave who ran third in a national derby and made a couple of uh, other group finals, but he waited and waited too long. Now, Waverly Supreme was, unlike the hurdlers and the, and the flapping track dogs, <laughs> Waverly Supreme was a track record breaker. He was a really high-class dog, but he's, he was a little brother to a dog called Lord Elephant, who was a flying machine, and the Irish were never going to let the sprinter go. They let the staying dog, the, the stronger dog, the brother, he came to Australia and it was the perfect thing because we have 500-metre races. The Irish have 300, 400-metre races. Yeah. And Lord Elephant, he ended up siring uh, uh, I'm Slippy, who won the Derby and became a great sire. Interesting, when Waverley Supreme's blood has gone back to Ireland and England to mix with Lord Elephant, it's produced superstars. Yeah. And, and it really has. It's been absolutely amazing. Frightful Flash went over there. And he carried crosses of, uh, <coughs> pardon me, of um, Waverly Supreme linked up with Lord Elephant and off it went. 
It's it's amazing, David. Can you can imagine the angst of the the breeders because the lack of information for for when a dog like Waverly Supreme would get here. I mean, uh, Tim Lee, of course, is is highly rated as 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 a not just a generational changer in pedigrees, but he appears in just about every um, pedigree in, in Australian um, bloodlines. But his dad, Tivoli Chief, as well. Um, and then once they started throwing, um, it was off. They were off and gone, and 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 people uh, flocked to them. But if you in the nineties, uh, it was from when I sort of first got into it. If anybody wanted to use an outcross, it was generally from the Irish or English blood. That was all, wasn't it? I mean, it, there was there was really no instance of of anything from the US at that stage. That, that they were that was the bloodline that we we tried to get a hold of. Well, it's the old dart. It's it's our it's our <coughs> history, uh, Australia and and England, and and it was you know where greyhound racing thrived in Ireland and England, and there were so many tracks and so many great dogs, but we were never ever going to get any of those. Well, tell me, would would Tim Lee have been able to be bought to go to Ireland? No, no, uh, no, no. But, we don't. Yeah, <coughs> but in, in in the other way, dogs like Tell You Why and Tumblebug. Both went to America and and became Hall of Fame dogs over there through through their uh, stud exploits. Now they had saturated Aussie bloodlines and really strong bloodlines. Chief, uh, Chief Havoc, all those great lines. And they were they were heavily inbred, and <clears throat> it's a case of a bit like the thoroughbred stallion Danehill, who was inbred two by two to to a half brother and half sister. Now. What they do when they come to a uh, a foreign land and make, and mate all these virtually outcross lines that because they're so heavily inbred, they tend to dominate the the matings that they have, and that certainly happened with Danehill, and it does win like the tell you whys and the tumble bugs. They go to a foreign land. And they make these uh, make these outcross bitches, and they actually are the ones dominating. Whereas, <clears throat> if you bring a brood bitch uh, in the same way, then she must go to a, a high class stud dog to allow the the domination. Not so much the domination, but more a, a strong influence. You need a successful sire to to make these bitches to to get them. And, and I've noticed. Barthia Bale in particular does extremely well when he makes over uh, uh, our cross bitches. Yeah. Look, it's it's funny, David, because the whole landscape has changed more recently. I mean, as I said, we're in the nineties, it was you know the Irish and English blood. They brought some speed. Um, we had some females that were import that um, had say Spiral Nikita as their dad, who was a, a sire in Ireland, that then went on to be good producers. But the US factor has just done a whole 180, hasn't it? I mean, I'll take you back to 1996 uh, the t- for the Top Gun. There was a, there was a Greyhound uh, brought out here called Pat C. Cast. Now, back then, we, we tried to get some international flavour, which was a great idea. I mean, just to, to try to showcase some dogs from England and Ireland. And the English and Irish actually did did well. They placed in a couple of Top Guns, and they were okay. The Americans... Look for for the one of a better word were hopeless. They had absolutely no hope against some of our greyhound, uh, better greyhounds. So, I think that just added to the whole mystique that look they're not quick enough for what we need on our shores. 
But but thanks to some pioneers like Paul Wheeler, as you mentioned, Jeff Collins in, in regards with, with uh, EJ's Douglas, Robbie Britton more recently, probably the Daily Camp as well, we probably haven't seen a bigger 180, have we? I mean, if you think about the, the highest prize money earner of all time, Fanna Bale, is from a, a female who started racing in America and then started raced here. Obviously, Fernando Bale is, is from a dad that uh, raced in America. We had those great brothers, General Destini and Destini Fireball, um, coming from a female who was imported out here. The stud success of SH Avatar, Baller Infrared, and that, and more recently, a Greyhound, an Iron Dog, and one of my favourites in Christo Bale. I mean, it's incredible, the turnaround, um, Dave, because you would have been in those times where people just wouldn't have touched any American sire back uh, 20, 30 years ago. thing is, how did they know? It, it, it's, it's exactly what we were talking about in regards to the... Um, the, the, the Irish dogs, the English dogs coming out here, and uh, no one knew what they were like. This is, be, this is prior to internet, this is all that sort of stuff. No one knew whether they were any good or not. But they, um, but they did um, make um, assumptions that they weren't quick enough, didn't they? Yeah. They did. Mm. They really did. Yeah, that was very interesting how they did it. <clears throat> well, they went on, I'll give you an instance, um, uh, Pat Dalton. He was who was right behind that Top Gun International Top Gun, mm-hmm. and he brought out a dog called Southern Champ. Now Southern Champ was a pretty smart dog in America, mm. and uh, look, Pat had that many good dogs he could afford to say, right, I will do the experiment and send this dog over. Now Southern Champ is in the pedigree in the damn line of uh, Aussie Infrared and mm. barking, uh, barking bad and. And uh, he got a little bit of a chance. I know Sarah Pringle uh, stood him at stud up in Queensland. He was a lovely, big, beautiful uh, fawn dog. Uh, he went okay. He didn't get a, a lot of uh, a lot of um, bitches that were, would have suited him, but he did okay. But he was from Pat's strong Irish line. So, but mm. when, but yeah. That probably explained it, but Dave, didn't it? Because it had some Irish factor in it that they we were probably a little bit more lenient. And wasn't it yeah. wasn't Southern Champ from his unbelievable sort of matriarch Maythorn Pride? Yeah, yeah, all that Millie line, yeah, yeah, wonderful damn line, and it's it's everywhere still that line. Um, look, the, the 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 and you've got to hand it to Jeff Collins, who went over there, got on a plane, made himself known started bringing out semen for these dogs. Now, he got a lot of rubbish dogs too, mm. but he got a lot of very, very good dogs. Now, you, you don't get better than S.H. Avatar. He was a superstar. Um, Baller Infrared too, unbelievable well, record. Infrared, yeah. And unfortunately for Baller Infrared, he died early. Mm. And that, that's really been a catastrophe. But here he is with good dogs like Aussie Infrared and them already being a success at start. Now, the, the Hardstyle Rico is another one. Now, they're all coming through. There's that influence. There's that outcross. And those lines had a little bit of difference in them as well to be able to pick up with with uh, the, the sire line. Um, yeah, well, things, a few things I've noticed. Avatar... Avatar did very well when he made it the best quality bitches he could get. Mm. Now, it was really interesting that his best progeny are generally uh, from fabulous damn lines, absolutely fabulous damn lines. Mm. And 
uh, they've they've really done well in that way. And uh, it, to me, it was a case of Avatar being the hybrid vigour and the very good quality bitches that he was mating helped him succeed here. Whereas there's other dogs that have uh, have had an Aussie influence, even though they are Irish and English and American, and especially the Americans, uh, who have had this um, influence of tell you why and tumble bargain. People will say, oh, they're way back, they're way back. But believe me, they are, they are still impacting in these uh, in these stud dogs it's amazing yeah absolutely the 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 one i wanted to sort of single out was casey and all too dave i mean this is the the rags to riches story in terms of how it goes in america i think he raced a a touch over 100 times and won 80 races but he wanted it on a track called bluffs run over there which would be you know, like a C-grade track. So certainly not in the limelight over there, not racing against the big guns, but his record was unbelievable. And if you have a look at some of his race replays, he jumped to the front, showed a lot of good speed, not something we're familiar with with the American stuff when they came here in the 90s and that. They were more the the slow sort of build-up to to some speed types. But and, and And he wasn't wanted even in America. I think he had a couple of matings in his first couple of years until people started to realize, hey, this dog is throwing some winners. I mean, years later, he's a leading sire in the US, and from approximately 70 matings in, in Australia, he's thrown dogs like Orson Allen, Striker Light, Aston Cometo, Bernardo, who's uh, uh, being a success at stud now, and then recent stars like Equalizer and, of course, the, the, the hit dog at the moment, Aston Rupee. I mean, if you look at his pedigree, what is what in his pedigree has made him such a success? Is it that Australian factor that you speak about because he's got a, a double cross of Dutch Pahama, a greyhound who has got a lot of Aussie blood in him? don't give the pedigree enough thought and when you look at the pedigree of uh, Casey and all he's inbred to Dutch Bahama now okay the first thing you're going to say is oh wow uh, is that uh, is that an influence well it has to be from where where he is he's three by three Dutch Bahama now if you look at the pedigree of Dutch Bahama you're going to say, oh, he's an American dog, Hall of Fame, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is inbred to tell you why, and a brother. Now, they uh, they come in three by four in his pedigree, but also in the bottom damn line, bottom line of, of Dutch Bahama is a dog called Thunderbolt Moss, who is out of Elsie Moss. Now, she's one of Australia's greatest ever brood bitches, and they are her her influence is everywhere in in the pedigree. Brother Fox's mother, uh, Pitstock Park, is inbred to Elsie Moss. Um, it's it's everywhere. So what we've got here is Dutch Bahama, who has got a lot of Aussie bloodlines in his pedigree, and he's doubled up in Casey and all. So when Casey and all seamen came to Australia, he was just waiting to link up with all the masses of Aussie blood that is in this country. Now, um, interestingly, the Dutch Bahama cross, so much of it is found in the dam line of Malawi's prince. Now, if you start looking at the best progeny of Casey and all, 
And I look at a, a, a bitch called Striker Light, who you'd probably remember. Uh, she mm. had Malawi's prints in the pedigree, mm. now, in the in the dam line. Now, if you have a look at so many of his other high-class race dogs, they've all got Dutch Bahama and Malawi's prints. They've all got the Malawi's prints cross in them. It's incredible how many of them are. Now, another instance of similar lines... Now, Kinlock Bray came to Australia. Mm. He was by a, a, a grandson of HB's commander, um, <clears throat> and he was out of a fortress bitch. Now, he went straight to Ireland, and I thought to myself when he did, he was a very good race dog. He won the Derby Lane Sprint Classic, and so he was a very good sprinter, beautiful type of dog, but he went there and he carried fortresses the side of his mother. He was taking back I'm Slippy and all that Maythorn Pride family, and he did very well instantly. And as soon as he did well, they brought him, brought Seaman out to Australia. Now, his second mother, Grace Juliana, is inbred to the Elsie Moss family. Now, his third wow. mother, Representation, who is a who is a Hall of Fame brood bitch in, in, in America, yeah. she's by Dutch Bahama. Yeah. So... So when you brought Kinlock Bray to Australia, you had in his second line and in his fourth line these Aussie lines that are so close to Malawi's prints. So what happens? We get, first off, we get um, that that cross and we start with dogs like Ring the Bell, who, whose mother, Absolute Stunner, was inbred to Malawi's prints. And Ring the Bell was... Um, uh, the good bitch that's now producing Bells of Ringham yeah, and, yeah. and Blaze and Bomber, yeah. they're all the same. Uh, Brad Hill Billy, his mother had a uh, had a double of Malawi's prints. Marira, he won the Golden Easter Egg. He's by Kinlock Ray and his mother had a double of Malawi's prints. Uh, I did the pedigree for Get It Gizmo, who won the Top Gun. Talked Harry Manalitzis. I can remember walking around our paddock and he said, what am I going to put this bitch to? I said, Harry, just give yourself an uppercut. He has, she has to go to Kinloch Bray because the mother Dasha had two crosses of Malawi's prints. Mm. Go while Teddy and Collision, both of who, who had already worked with Kinloch Bray, produced Get It Gizmo, won the Top Cup. Now it's it's all that sort of stuff that people don't really do their homework on. That you know, it can it can work for you, and there it is. You, you it, it jumps right out at you. So it's amazing. Yeah, and I, su- I suppose it goes along with your theory, David, that that going back in a pedigree, it's it's not a waste. You don't just look at the first couple of lines. I mean, as we said, it's an outcross, but not an outcross in a sense that Casey and all br- bring back some Australian stuff. D- how important do you think are their racing styles too? I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to go to America on a couple of occasions, and if you actually walk the Southland track, um, it's very, very deep. And I remember George Daly saying to me, if, if Brett Lee raced here, he'd be in a little bit of strife as he turned for home. That they, they, it's You just really need a strong dog. And you could tell in their racing styles, like DJ's Octane, he was slow early, got to the line really quick, um, as opposed to Casey and all, Baller Infrared, these type of greyhounds who are real speed dogs, and when I say speed dogs, they would, they still run over five hundred meters. Do you, how important is their racing styles when you're considering a sire from the states? Yeah, they they, they very much are a, a strong dog, aren't they? Uh, I, I I I do 
still think Brett Lee might have won a couple over there. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think he would have turned for home about 14 in front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He might have been knocking up, but he, <laughs> they'd, have been, they'd have been giving him a big start. Look, yeah, I, I remember I, I have a contact, and well, we both do, sorry, in America, and uh, he gives me the heads up on uh, on American dogs. And I said to him ages ago when uh, uh, he actually contacted me and he said, there's some semen coming out for DJ's Octane. He said, don't recommend him. And I said, oh, okay, uh, what's the story? And he said, no, nah. he said, he's not going to suit Australian dogs. And, uh, and in particular, all his progeny, were strong, get back, come home, uh, and they were mostly Southland dogs, Who uh, and it's a very strong dog's track. And as you say, the surfaces are, are very loose, very strong. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the track record breakers over the 500, and I know uh, Bella Infrared was a track record breaker, mm-hmm. they've done well. Yeah. They've done well. Yes, yeah. They have. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we must note that DJ's Octane was clearly the number one sire in America when his semen was coming here. So, you, you know, it's probably worth a play, but it, it just seems like their racing patterns and the way we race in Australia, even for 600-metre dogs, like I mentioned Christo Bale, he was very, very fast, obviously, over 500, and then when he stepped over 600, he was just an absolute machine. Um, a friend of mine, uh, David, believes that the US blood has worked in part here because they're able to maintain their top speed for longer. Do you agree with a, a, a comment like that? I think it's probably probably more the the common bloodlines that they're introducing, and 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 a, and the hybrid bigger. Uh, yeah. I, I really do think that's more what's what happened with these dogs. Um, they've uh, they've been that outcross that they needed, and they've also brought in the strength. Look, the, the, the when, when um, uh, Norman and Elvie uh, brought out those two bitches years ago, mm. and uh, I, I happened to be uh, writing the Now Chase magazine at the time, and he rang me up and he said, we've just got back from America. He said, I've got these two bitches. And one was Grey's Destiny, and he had another little bitch there, and I didn't really like her. I loved Grey's Destiny. She was just a beautiful type of bitch. And I said to him, what are you going to put them to? And one went to Bombastic and the other went to where's Pedro. And obviously that was General Destini, Destini Bible. And she was from the same damn line as uh, Kinlock Bray. Mm. And, and she was a sister to uh, a, uh, a million-dollar winner over there. And it was just... It was just the right thing to do. He, he put them to the best sires, the two great sires, and both bitches produced, but, but more the Where's Pedro. And, and uh, yeah, he, he put in the pace and, uh, and Grey's Destiny put in the strength. Uh, now, it's, it's funny too, Dave, that if you have a look at their race careers, they never reached the heights, those two girls. Um, they were sort of... Yeah, just grade fivers if you'd like. Um, but as you said, the litter and the pedigree was was unbelievable. Well, Destini, uh, uh, Grace Destini, she won twenty races or something like that. Yeah. I remember doing the doing the story on her at the time, and uh, he was wrapped uh, that he could get her. Yeah, but look, she was she was pretty much a, a, a cast off. Um, he uh, 
that they just I think he she might have cost him five grand or something like that. But <laughs> yeah. but mate, you know, it's like it's like buying a uh, uh, a sister to Miata who might have won two races at Kennington. You're still getting uh, Miata's bloodlines and a city winner. So. Yeah, yeah, that. Uh, so you, you're getting it there, and and it worked for you. Yeah, it did. And it, we we talk about how um, the Americans and the Irish certainly did didn't give us their best stock, but I suppose we were guilty of that too, David, when we had some greyhounds that the Irish bought off us. But uh, the the influence that some of our blood has had in Ireland is incredible. If you look at a pedigree now in Ireland, I mean. Far, um, it's it's hard to find something that doesn't have a real big Australian influence in it. And we we heard the news like a, a dog like Explosive Boys coming to stand at stud in Australia. And if you look at the pedigrees of a lot of dogs from Ireland and England, as we said, they're peppered with Aussie blood. Do you do you think that some of the Irish sires are due for a bit of a comeback? When I and I say Irish sires loosely, because as I said, there's some Australian influence there too. Oh, look, there's a lot of influence. If you the, the dog you're talking about now, Explosive Boy. He's got three very up close uh, uh, Aussie lines in him, and he's from the uh, the just the best of Florian's eye line. Mm. So, mate, he he's a he's an outstanding dog. He had no luck in the last couple of rounds of the Irish Derby, just and he was pushing through in the uh, in the final, and just got hammered from inside him and and wiped him out. Now, um, he'll do very well here. Because he's got those three crosses of of Aussie blood, I, I, I've got to tell you a a, a story. Um, years ago, my wife and I had a holiday in uh, in, in England and Ireland, and uh, a great friend of mine, Floyd Amplett, is the uh, editor of the Greyhound Star over there, and he's a uh, breeding fanatic and all that. And we were. We met up and we had some dinner and we were having a few drinks at his local golf club. I don't think he played golf, but he enjoyed the uh, <laughs> the, the chat. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, oh, he said, what about Top Honcho? He said, he's been the phenomenal stud dog in Australia, in in uh, Ireland. And uh, and he said, total outcross, total outcross to Australian lines, to Irish lines. And I said to him, Floyd, you obviously haven't had a look at this dog. I said, you haven't looked at his pedigree. But um, he carried something like uh, seven crosses of, of Tim Lee in his pedigree. But I said to him, have a look at his direct dam line. His direct dam line is, is Irish, and it goes back to an imported bitch called Touch of Ireland. Now, Touch of Ireland traces right back to a bitch called Take Murex. Now, Take Murex, is the second dam of the famous Prairie Peg. Prairie Peg is the mother of Pagal Wonder and, and his brothers and who all went to stud. So when Top Honcho went to back to Ireland, he had the same bloodline as Pagal Wonder and Prairie Flash and all these great stud dogs, Grenane Wonder, they were all there waiting for him and they were everywhere in pedigree. So when he got there, he had a direct dam line the same as as just about a, 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 a mass of bitches that were in Ireland there waiting for him. So and he and he also had seven crosses of Tim Lee, whose uh, whose grandfather was a uh, was an Irish dog. So 
So it's sort of the similar story to what KCN All did when he came here, in, in a sense. Yeah, so you, you, you know, you, you, you're tying up from so generations gone by, but he was an incredible uh, sire over there, top on show. But um, I think it's safe to say he wouldn't have been, um, well, clearly not as successful, but he wouldn't have um, received the patronage he did uh, if he stayed in Australia. Oh, man, he would have. He would have served four or five bitches at, at the tops, and that's about it. I actually did a story on the uh, the guy who owned him and trained him, and uh, it was a lovely story. And uh, he, he was telling me how good he was, and uh, but he he retired him to start. Or a few people wanted him to go to stud, and uh, and he hardly got a bitch. And then he got an offer from uh, from England or Ireland to go to go over there, and he said it was for good money. So he said, "What well, what could I do?" He said, "I had to let him go." And he was he was a, a really high class race dog, much better than his his performances uh, showed on the track. Even though he was a very very good dog. Yeah. Just, just quickly, when we we speak about explosive boy, if you go three back um, on his sire line, you bring up a dog called Sir Florian, which I know you've had a lot to do with, uh, Dave, and he's a. He was an, an exceptionally fast track record breaking dog, very inbred, um, double cross of Promises Free, who's, you know, again, one of the Hall of Fame uh, broodies. It's interesting now that um, he'll come back to Australia through Explosive Boy, but also had success in America through a dog called Barcelona Boss. It's incredible that we probably don't have that sideline through Sir Florian here in Australia, yet um, he might come back to us um, through different continents. It's incredible sometimes the way it works. I'll tell you a story. Uh, when when Sir Florian went to stud, and uh, and he, look, no one he, he won. I think he ran five track records and uh, equaled Flying Amy's track record at Albion Park twice. And uh, no one ever saw how good that dog was because he had a uh, back problem. And uh, I remember he finished fourth in a Group One behind Truly Special at Albion Park, and I think Bogey Lee ran second, and he ran fourth, and should have won the race. He got into all sorts of trouble on the home turn and stormed up to be beaten just a a couple of lengths. And uh, Tony Appap, who stood him at stud, said it was six months before that dog was free in his action. So how good was he Mm. that he could do that? And uh, But... Tony said to me when when he went to stud uh, and Slater came along, which was his first dog, and he was a superstar. And uh, he had uh, he'd won the Easter Egg and the Derby, and that. And Tony said, "I got to get him at stud. I got to get him at stud." And I said to him at the time, and he couldn't understand why. I said, "Tony, don't touch him." And he he looked at me. He said, "He's a great dog. He, you have to use him." I said, "Don't touch him." And I said, "Because." Sir Florian is inbred three by two to Amerigo Man and Westcape, and that's a dominant female line. Even though they were good race dogs, Amerigo Man was best remembered as the sire of brood bitches. Even though he got a lot of lot of good race dogs, he his best his, and so and the same with Westcape because their mother promises free was from a very strong dam line and dominant. And I said to him. Sir Florian will become a great broodbitch sire, but he won't become a, a sire of sires. And they, and he, he and unfortunately, he didn't get him. And and Slater was a very ordinary stud dog, 
But uh, here he is, semen over there, and it's coming back to Australia, but it's got a whole lot of other Australian lines in it to be able to latch on to, which this dog, this dog will make it. He's a very, very good dog and a very nice pedigree. It, it, would it be a case of Sir Florian having a lot better um, career if he was imported to, say, America early doors because of his, his, such was his inbreeding that there wasn't many sort of a lot, a lot of Australian um, bitches that could go to him? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. He was such a fast dog, you're right, he was. And Slater at the time was racing around the same time as um, Betty's Angel. Uh, they were absolute guns, those greyhounds. And, uh, yeah, it's it's funny that it might come back through there. So we'll, we'll um, keep an eye on that, and ex- especially for those wanting to know about Explosive Boy. I'm not sure when he's actually getting to Australia. But his sire, good news, has been a terrific, terrific sire in Ireland. Oh, Irish Derby winner. And same trainer as uh, Explosive Boy, and uh, and and look, his sire uh, was was a very good sire as as well. Definite opinion, he was a very good race dog, very strong too. So uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a, it, good news has been a great sire over there, and from very limited early stuff. So uh, yeah, no, 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 this dog will he'll make it for sure, Explosive Boy. But there's some very good race dogs over there at the moment, and if we can get, I know George Daly's got some for Pastana, who holds the record at Shelburne Park, and uh, his pedigree is wonderful as well. And uh, there's another dog who ended up winning that Irish Derby last year, New and Taylor. He's got a lovely pedigree. If they can get semen out for us from us from him. Yeah. Well, if you if you you speak about um, the Australian influence, I mean, Pistana goes back to Roanoke, of course, who won a Melbourne Cup in Australia, and it was a son of New Tears. Again, another one where we don't really see an active sire line here in Australia, Dave, but not not necessarily now. But might come back through dogs like Pistana, as you mentioned. But uh, the other one. Um, the, the one I wanted to talk to, and, and I think it goes to your point of what you've been talking about, is the pedigree of, of, of Gypsy Wyong. Uh, when you say it's it's almost like an outcross, but that you're bringing back common lines. She's by um, a UK sire, Westmead Hawk, who won two English derbies, from a dam with an American dad and an Aussie mum. So, I mean, you see that mix there. So if you think about it like that, you think, oh, there's outcrosses happening everywhere. But if you actually take a closer look at her pedigree, um, she's got some real common traits, doesn't she? Oh, she's she's inbred three by four to half half relation, smooth rumble and rumble spirit. Mm. And the thing about that is they are positioned in the pedigree to heavily impact with each other. Now, interesting when uh, uh, Taylor Sky, who has uh, who's by Westmead Hawk, uh, when he when he got semen out here, Paul Wheeler used him and put bitches with collision in them to him and and got group class stuff, um, which was a bit surprising because Taylor Sky was a bit of a failure out here, but uh, Paul inbred to the smooth rumble rumble spirits uh, mm. uh, cross. And uh, and got uh, got a group class dog. Now, Gypsy Wyong, um, yeah, multiple group uh, group winner and a multiple and a, a speed star finalist. So, yeah, no, there's your. It's two outcrosses, but it's a saturation of smooth Rumble and a, and his half sister Rumble Spirit, and in a position hugely positioned to impact. 
and of course goes back to the dam line that we spe- we have been speaking about in, in Paul Wheeler's dam line uh, obviously out of a female called Dinah Gypsy who we didn't see the best of uh, again when you mention about city winners I mean she, I think she ran about 29.50 as a young dog at Sandown and heard her hock and um, Team Daly did the right thing jumping on Dinah Gypsy that's for sure so watch yeah. out for watch out for Gypsy Wyong she's She's got that lovely mix, I reckon, uh, Dave, of, of speed and strength, and, and they're the types of things you need for, for staying. Um, just quickly, we've spoken a lot about the out, the outcrosses, and, and there's no denying the, the impact it's had in this country, especially and from America more recently, but from Ireland in sort of in our younger years, or my younger years, that's for sure. But we've spoken about the pros, but what are some of the cons in your eyes to outcrossing? Some of the some of the some of the reasons why you don't do it. Yeah. Look, uh, in all the years I've been looking at them, uh, there's a there's a distinct uh, aspect that you will get you will get a couple of good dogs in a litter, maybe one or more that can run, uh, go okay, and then you might end up with not much else. Okay. That can be your your downside. Um, I think you'd uh, you'd admit strike a light. There wasn't a lot else in her pedigree mm. in her in her litter. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably Orson uh, Allen the same. I'd say. Yeah. Well, I did speak to Corey Grenfell about him, and uh, he had a dog, uh, a litter brother. He said was going to be a, a super stayer, mm. and he broke down very early. And uh, so he he was going to get another one. Okay. Yep. But uh, look, it's it's really interesting. Uh, and I'll, uh, one of the things that's why you need to you, when you breed a, uh, a bitch that's by an outcross out of an Aussie line, you do need to then reinforce your Aussie lines. I'll give you a, an example. I always give to people. Um, Quite some years ago, uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, a, a very astute greyhound trainer in Queensland called Ryan Eyre. Now, Ryan is as good a trainer as anyone in the land, and uh, he is so dedicated. Anyway, he bought a little bitch from Victoria who was inbred two by two to Sobbing Cell and Malagro Cell, who are both out of Wee Cell. Now, he named a Holly Hot Pants, and she won one race out of about 14 starts at Tweed Heads. But he said to me one day, he said, this bitch can gallop. He said, just, we've had lots of hassles, you know. And he came to me one night at Albion Park, and he said, what am I going to breed this bitch to? And I said to him, whatever you do, you have to outcross her. It doesn't matter where you go, just outcross her. Mm-hmm. So the first one he went to was Kiowa Sweet Trade. Yep. And he had four pups. Three of them were uh, high-class Albion Park dogs. A dog called Roman Express won 60,000. Beltar Magic won 50-something thousand. A bitch called Doyen Star, who was a was a group uh, group class dog. And then he and he all he did for all her breeding career was outcross her. He went to Premier Fantasy, produced a dog called Big Dak, who won 100,000. Yahoo Omar. Another dog won 45,000, uh, Kinlock Bray. Uh, that litter had a dog called Yada 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 who made a uh, Group 1 final. 
And then when they when they'd done all that, he came to me and he said, "What am I going to breed this these bitches to?" And I said, "Well, now you have to breed back to whatever's in Holly Hot Pants dam line." And and he did. And the bitch Beltar Magic produced a dog called Grand Roman who made a, a Queensland Derby final, won fifteen races at Albion Park. Uh, another and then another bitch called Kiltar Magic, who won sixty thousand. She mm-hmm. made a final of a sale cup. They were all inbred back to the uh, to the we sell line, and that's that's how you do it. So that's the key, then, Dave. Yeah. So if you're going to outcross, you've got to make sure you don't lose sight of the fact that you've got to come back to the what we spoke about in the first podcast, and that's those common ancestors links. Yeah. 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 You've got once you've got that outcross, and once you've got that. You bring it back in. I'll just give you a little line uh, that I read in a in a thoroughbred book uh, discussing uh, Federico Tessio and all his matings. And this is from the author, and it's a very interesting thing. It says, We know that by using outbreeding or outcrossing, we cannot hope too much for the mating to produce offspring that will have dominance or hope to fix specific characteristics in the line. Only by reducing the genetic pool by duplicating superior ancestors can certain gene groupings be reinforced. Okay. And he says, Outbred performers represent a big risk as breeding stock, but you must bring in the same female lines to reinforce it for success. There you go. Mm. Yeah, and what, what he's saying is, you 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 won't uh, like if you if you've got in your dam line uh, a size problem or a, or a or a soundness problem or whatever you may not necessarily fix those generally over the whole litter but when you bring it back in you you will bring that dominance back in and it'll work for you and it does we've seen it time and time again it's just amazing. It's yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because um, I, I take you to to an example that that I've had a look at. Um, at the moment, there's a female, obviously called Mapunga Rosie, that's um, yeah. been a, a really good producer. If you go back and have a look at some of the females, and that, she goes back to the same dam line you're speaking about, the We Sell dam line. Yeah. Um, there, there was a couple of females there that Barry Smith had that were, um. They could they couldn't run past four hundred meters. I mean, they they were just real short courses. Barry did something different and sent it to Flying Penske, an American dog. Now the the interesting part, yeah, yeah, the interesting part to all of that, um, as opposed to what was said in that um, quote, there is, it it completely changed the style of racing of those dogs. They became strong five, six, seven hundred meter dogs, and obviously you're going to get that with Flying Penske. But even generations after that, Dave. have gone on to do that. It, it, that that's interesting, isn't it? Like, I, it, 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 he sort of changed the narrative in terms of what she was going to, what, what those pups were going to produce. It was, it's incredible um, bit of breeding from from Barry, who, yeah, I mean, a lot of people would rate as as one of the higher um, in the higher echelon of of, um, of breeders in this country. Mate, I love talking to Barry. He is just a font of knowledge. We we love having a chat and. Uh, well, I don't necessarily agree with all that he does or says that you can't, uh, you can't, and, and, I, and I'm the same with Paul Wheeler. I, like when Paul uh, did that Irish coursing experiment 
a few years back, I thought, oh, no, that's a, that, Paul, don't, please, woo. And, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and it backfired on him. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, but kudos for having a go, I reckon, hey, like you said, yeah. 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 Well, someone like Paul can have a go. Yeah. You and I can't. Yeah, that's right, know? that's right. And, and, and in the mid-90s, I went to the Irish coursing and uh, we spoke to a lot of the famous readers and one of the guys with us said to us, oh, we should be, uh, we should be bringing home an Irish coursing dog to stand at stud. And the Irish just looked at him and said, "You idiot!" <laughs> he, said, he said, "If uh, the, the the guy who was a famous stud master over there uh, said to us, well, if it worked, we everyone in Ireland would do it,' yeah. but they don't, yeah. you know. Anyway, uh, that. But, uh, but speaking of Barry, that's a really interesting uh, thing you say because Mapunga Blazer is his new stud dog." And he's a very good stud dog, and he's they're very strong pups. But if you have a look at what he is producing, there's a a very, very, very interesting cross already starting with Mabunga Blazer and bitches by with Kinlock Bray in them. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a look at the pedigree, Mabunga Blazer's mother's by Premier Fantasy, who traces to a dog called Merlin Slippy. Mm-hmm. Now, Kinlock Bray. His, the sire of his mother is Fortress. Now, Fortress and Merlin Slippy are virtual brothers. They both buy I'm Slippy, and their mothers, their grandmothers, are sisters. So I've noticed this for a while, and in one of Kinlock Bray's earliest progeny in England was a dog called Belly McVick, who was a, a English Derby finalist, and he also... Um, has been a very good stud dog. Now he carried that Merlin Slippy Fortress in him, and that was a that was a telling sign very early. Now uh, this is happening. There's three Mapunga Blazer litters out of Kinlock Bray bitches, and every one of them has group class dogs in them. Mm. Yeah. So it's a very interesting. Now there's your two crosses of outcross in in the in the pedigree. And it's working very, very well with Mapunga Blazer. Just before we let you go, Dave, um, you mentioned that if you if you're looking, obviously, that when we're talking about outcrosses here, it's it's become pretty evident over these podcasts that it is an outcross, but it isn't in a sense. You're still getting hybrid vigor, but you're also matching up um, dogs from pet from say six, seven, eight generations back. But when, when you talk about a, a, an outcross that's coming here, that's um, really inbred. That that's the way you'd head. Um, I know there's pedigree matches you need to do, but you mentioned that the, the more inbred, uh, they've got more chance to stamp their authority um, on their pups. Oh, for sure. I like them to. I like them to have strong inbreeding. And uh, all these dogs are wavy supreme and those, and uh, back to Witch Chariot and those, they all had strong inbreeding. And, uh, you know, not, not what we would say with the Surf Lorian 3x2, but they had it. Yep. So, yeah, I like to see that, and I do like to see some Aussie bloodlines in there somewhere. Look, I know, I know people will say, you're an idiot. How can, how can <laughs> the Dutch Bahama... In uh, in that dog have an impact with um, uh, or, and Grace Juliana in in Kinlock Bray. How can that have an impact with Malawi's Prince in those ones? Well, you know, <laughs> it does, <laughs> it does. right? <laughs> it does. 
uh, you yeah. know, it's amazing. And uh, but people, all they've got to do is do just a little bit of homework, and there it is. Or or uh, ring Pedigrees by Design, we'll help you. Oh, absolutely, mate. As as we said last week, make sure you have a look at um, pedigreesbydesign.com because just just to read the articles alone to begin will give you a great insight as to some of the things we're talking about. Because when I first started, David, and you were writing those articles, you'd have to have um, sort of Greyhound data next to you to have a look at the pedigree page to understand what you were talking about. It can get a little bit difficult if you're just starting off um, in regards to some of the, the clicks, but you quickly start to understand um, where your, where your um, thoughts lie. Again, David, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I said, the um, the um, outpouring from the, the first pod gr- podcast in, in regards to the questions that we want to ask for, for next week has been huge. Um, and uh, by the time people listen to this, they would have listened to the, the to the third po- first podcast. So um, absolutely appreciate your time again, mate, and uh, we'll catch up this time next week. Mate, um, aren't we looking forward to the questions, aren't they? Oh, don't worry, mate. We've got some curly ones. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, good on you. No, no worries, mate. You have a good weekend. Thanks, George. Ta-